Go to your bank and set up one account and call it profit. Two, allocate 1% of your income to the profit account. That was Mike Michalowicz, and this is the Push Through Podcast. Welcome to the Push Through Podcast, where we have a weekly discussion with a trailblazer in the cabinet industry. This is not shop talk or tool reviews. This is about business, entrepreneurs, and everything in between. Join us for the ride at altcab.com. That's U-L-T-C-A-B.com, where you can find in-depth articles and show notes from each episode. Get ready for the Push Through and your host, Jeff Finney. Welcome back to the Push Through Podcast, and I'm glad to have you here. But today, before we jump into our next episode, I wanted to tell you about an exciting uh, thing that we're doing next year in June 4th through 6th. We're going to be having a conference here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it is going to be going over all of the things that we talk about in the podcast, different areas of business from lean to management to culture and employees. It's going to be a very hands-on conference. We would love to see you there. If you want more information, go to thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com. Sign up uh, to be uh, stayed in the loop about that, and uh, I hope we can see you there. Welcome back to the Push Through Podcast, and I am really excited about today's guest, Mike McCallowitz, author of Profit First, among others, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Pumpkin Plan and others, Clockwork, The Surge, I've read them all. Profit First is the one that really rang true with me and my business. <clears throat> we use it, the system, every day for our um, accounting and financing and everything. And it's such a easy, bulletproof system that it just made sense for us. So I'm super happy to have Mike on the show today. And he's going to tell us more in-depth about how to get into Profit First, how he came up with the idea and kind of his journey into the profit first system. So I uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did making it. And we're going to jump right in now with uh, Mike McCallowitz, profit first. Mike McCallowitz, welcome to the push through podcast. It's been a long time coming. And as I told you earlier, I'm a bit of a super fan. So I'm super excited to have you here. And a lot of the people that read our blog are going to be super excited to hear from you and, and get a kind of an in-depth dive about Profit First. And uh, But before we jump in, Mike, kind of fill in the blanks for the one or two people out there that don't know who you already are. Yeah. So uh, thanks, for Jeff, for having me on the show. And sure. uh, you know, I, I don't expect many people to know who I am, but I'll, I'll gladly share. I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur turned author, been an entrepreneur my entire adult life. And uh, 11 years ago, uh, experienced a life-changing event in my business, my lack of acumen that woke me up that I didn't really know much about entrepreneurship and uh, made a decree, not like that day, but it became the ceiling for I have to fix my misunderstandings around entrepreneurship. I, I didn't know how to manage money. I didn't know how to manage time. I didn't know how to do many things. And I, I set on a mission to really fix it for myself uh, and, and write about it. And it became clear that what I was learning um, I should share with other people, and I've been very happy that um, books like Profit First and The Pumpkin Plan and, and Clockwork have, have landed with people and served them, and uh, that's what I do now. I'm, I'm a full-time small business author. That's my devotion. That's great, and and your books are um, so easy to get through, and the, and the points are just easy to you know take out of the books and, and implement into your business where there's so many kind of business books that you read, and yeah, you may have a day or two of uh, – 
change or whatever, but then ultimately there's nothing that comes from them. But I, I feel like especially Profit First has some uh, some core things that we can sink our teeth into. And, um, you know, how did you, I guess, how did you come about to making the, the Profit First plan? I mean, was it by accident or was this a uh, trial and error or how, how did this kind of work for you? How did you get into it? It was, yeah, the book really came out of uh, desperation. So I, I grew Here's a little more of the backstory. I grew a couple companies right after college. I, I started a first business and and then started a second business, and both of them were successful. Now, since we're doing audio, you can't see the big air quotes I'm doing. <laughs> They're successful because I they they grew into millions of dollars of revenue, and I sold them. They were unsuccessful in that they were never profitable when I was running them. One of them I had to refinance my house two times just to cover payroll. Uh, there was constant stress. I I still can feel the pressure of my chest compressing every day I had to go into work because I. I didn't know how to survive another day without panicked sales, but I sold them. So I thought like, oh my gosh, all you got to do with a business is actually just build it really fast and sell it. That's how you make money. So I started a third company, a company now I keep conveniently off of my resume. That was <laughs> an angel investing company and I was horrible at it. I, I, I walked in with arrogance and ignorance. I had no clue what I was doing and uh, 10 companies I started all had collapsed or were near collapse within six months of the startup and uh, spending good money after bad, I evaporated my wealth and uh, and lost everything. Lost my house, lost my possessions. The only thing I didn't lose was my family and honestly, I deserved to lose them because I, I lied to them. I, I said everything was okay when I was compromising them. Um, and the that became an impetus for the turnaround for me. Now, one thing is important too, Jeff, it wasn't like I woke up the next morning and said, I'm going to fix this. I woke up the next morning and said, I'm going to have a shot of tequila. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then two, and that went on for two years. Um, I'm not really a drinker at all. I mean, listen, if someone wants to fire down a margarita, I'm in. But during this phase of my life, I used it as medication. I, I didn't want to face myself. Sure. I'm so angry. But I started doing a process called journaling. And, uh, which is the guy's version of writing a diary. Yes. And I started taking notes and what a friend told me was when you journal, write down, not your successes, you can, not your failures, just your stream of consciousness, your thoughts, let things out. And I'd write these thoughts and it was a relief mechanism. And I was also writing things about profit. Like how come I'm never profitable? Why do I struggle with this? I, I profit never happens for me. Why do I wait for the end of the year? It doesn't happen. And then I realized, why do I wait for the end of the year for it to happen? That that thought was kind of this trigger. What I found is there's a standard formula that I was following that every entrepreneur follows. Mm -hmm. We're told sales minus expenses equals profit. Right. And that that, that formula, while well, logically it makes sense, you must have inbound cash flow for your business sales. You must incur expenses to support your business, um, and what's left over is profit. It makes logical sense. I realized it is a horrible formula. It's behaviorally flawed. When something comes last, it's human nature to say that's insignificant. Like, mm -hmm. Jeff, you and I would never start saying, you know what? Starting today, we're finally going to put our families last. You know, or starting today, my health comes last. Like, mm -hmm. You know, we would never do that. When something's important to us, if our health is important, just we'll say, starting today, I'm putting my health first. Starting today, my family is always going to come first. It's human nature. What comes first is the priority and gets addressed. What comes last is the perpetual manana syndrome. Ah, I can wait another day. Yeah. That, that formula 
is telling us that profit comes last. So I, I simply call bullshit on it. Like profit does not come last. It must be baked into every transaction. Profit is not in a future event. Profit is not an event. It's a habit. And so what I did with profit first is I flipped the formula. Sales minus profit equals expenses. Every transaction, every day, we immediately take a predetermined percentage of that income that comes into our business, allocate it to profit, hide it from the business, and run off the remainder. It's the pay yourself first principle applied to business. Right. And it, that's probably the biggest, some of it is a, just a psychological thing, but what you're talking about is actually, I mean, you're, you're literally talking about taking your profit right at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. So and you're that's planning, the key. you're kind of re reverse engineering your numbers essentially, and you're confining your expenses almost to like a box. That's exactly it, my brother. That's exactly what we're going to do. We, we are going to determine a percentage of profit that we want to achieve. And I would argue we should start off slowly and build into this. So maybe start off with just a few percent and then build up. But maybe one day we say we want our business to be at 15% profit. That's our goal. Well, that's the goal. Take it. And $100 comes in. We take 15 bucks and hide it away. Then you have to run your business off the remaining $85. And like you said, we're reverse engineering profit. At this point, if you can't pay your bills, your business is now speaking to you. It's saying – you can't afford those bills. There's something fundamentally wrong. You said you want 15% profit. We did it, but you can't pay your bills. So that means you're incurring too many expenses or your margins aren't set right, but something needs to be corrected in the business. You see, what most people do is say, I want 15% profit, but I've spent every penny. Therefore, I can't have 15% profit. Right. And I call I call BS on that. That That's not what it is. No, if you want 15% profit, take it and then make sure you run your business accordingly. And that's what Profit First does. Yeah, and it, it makes everything kind of fall into line to make that 15% happen or, or whatever you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So there's a thing called Parkinson's Law. Um, he was a behavioral theorist from the 1950s studying human tendency, human behavior, and noticed that we have a propensity to expand our demand for a resource based upon its availability, meaning the more a resource is available, the more we consume of it. The um, a classic example that he used was time. Like if you and I were in contract negotiations, Jeff, and I said to you, hey, Jeff, can I get you a quote in one week? Uh, and you said yes to it. It'll likely take me the full week to get it done. But if you and I, literally the same guys, have the same conversation about the same agreement, if I say, can I get to you in one day? And you say yes, it'll likely take me a day. So as I give myself self less time to complete something, I actually get it done faster. That's the resource of time. Well, this applies to all facets of our lives. Resources of food. If we put more food in front of us, we will inherently consume more because there's more to eat. Right. If we put more money into our business, we'll consume more because there's more available to be consumed. With Profit First, we're removing the profit to restrict the business from consuming everything. That makes sense. I mean, it makes makes perfect sense. So maybe before we jump into some of the, um, like how we actually do this, like the foundational accounts and that kind of stuff is... Uh, maybe one more philosophical point that I want to know is is why, you know, as an entrepreneur, before reading your book, I never could understand this, but why is it so hard to seem like we're making a profit or how, why is it so hard to actually make a profit? Because it, it's, it's literally the final consideration. And so what most entrepreneurs do, what I did for umpteen years is I would run my business by my bank account and mm -hmm. I still do. Uh, I, and that's actually – I would argue is your best behavior. It's not giving you the right results. So we need a system that channels that behavior to give us the right results.
but I look at my bank balance and I followed a simple principle. If I had money, I'd spend it. And if I didn't, I wouldn't. And then by the end of the year, I go to my accountant and say, Hey, uh, Keith, was there, there any profit this year? And he'd be like, ah, sorry, Mike, not this year. And I go, ah, shucks, maybe next year. And literally kick the can of a profit consideration down the road, 365 days. So the reason there's no profit in business is most businesses, small business entrepreneurs are running their uh, business off their bank accounts. And, uh, what accountants tell us is, well, just read the income statement and the balance sheet and the cash flow statement, never look at your bank accounts and, and you'll nail this thing. And my response is, well, that's great, but that's not how we operate. We actually need a system that works with our banks, a real simple system. That's what profit first is so that we know what our use of money is, our intended use of money is before we spend it. And we can't wait for profit until the end of the year. Profit has to happen today. Small amounts, small transactions, but every day a small amount of money is allocated to profit persistently over time and that money accumulates and then we've guaranteed profit. Right. And I think for a lot of our listeners and myself, you know, that own cabinet shops, which is a manufacturing uh, operation, you know, manufacturing is super capital intensive and there's often long spans in between checks. You know, we may go a week or a month or more without getting a check and then maybe we'll get yeah. a big check. So it's like uh, not only do we have this profit consideration, we've also got a cash flow you know, a consideration there as well. And then the, just the capital intensiveness of the business itself, just being a manufacturer is super hard to, to structure. And that's what I love about Profit First. So I'd like to dive into kind of what you, I think you call them the foundational accounts, um, or that's what we call them anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in our, in our operation, well, first of all, let's, let's go into what you call the foundational accounts. Let's talk about that. And then I'll, I'll tell you later how we've structured ours that fit your yeah, system. So I call them the five foundational accounts, and what these are are five accounts that you set up at your bank, and they serve five distinct purposes. So the accounts go like this. The, the first account is called an income account, and uh, this is these can be checking or savings accounts, but um, in the income accounts case, I would make a checking account. And what this is is any income for your business going forward gets deposited into this account. It is a serving tray of cash. What I mean by this is if we equate this to like a – Thanksgiving dinner or something like at Thanksgiving, you don't take out the serving tray and say, Hey everyone, you know, here's the Turkey, every man for themselves fight for it. Instead, we, we serve, we allocate a portion of the Turkey to everyone at the table. We, we serve from a serving tray, but you don't eat off of it. Right. The income account is a serving tray of cash. Money will flow in there. It's depository only. So you deposit income into it simply for display purposes, but then we carve up that cash Turkey and allocate it to different accounts. The next account, so account number two, is the profit account. Maybe this could be a savings account. The intention of profit is to reward the shareholder of an organization. This is the person, you, who started the company or invested in the company, either by you know, buying into it or sweating into it, but somehow you've brought life to this business. You've done what the vast, vast majority of the world population will never do. They don't have the courage or the drive or the intelligence, or maybe even the craziness to start a business, but you have. This is like investing in public stock. Like you, you know, you take on massive risk. You invest in stock; it could go up, but it could go down. So you are a shareholder, and the profit account is a profit distribution to the risk takers, the the founding parents of the business, if you will. The third account is called owner's compensation, and with the owner's compensation account is pay for what I'd argue is the best employee in almost every business, the owner. 
And so money goes out from this account to you to compensate you as a salary. Uh, you have, you know, you're probably the best salesperson for your organization. You're probably the best operator. You know the business better than anyone else. This account is used to pay you for that work. And this is what you live your lifestyle off of. Right. The profit, when the profit comes out, that's a bonus. But the owner's, uh, owner's pay or owner's compensation is what you live your life off. The next account is called tax. This is the fourth account. Tax, you know, we, we started our business in part for financial freedom. Hopefully that's a big part of it. And when tax time comes, we're, we're often caught off guard like, oh, my gosh, how, oh, how much? Well, no more. Financial freedom is not worrying about money. And so the business is going to worry about that. The business will allocate a portion of your company income to pay the taxes of the owner themselves. And then the final and last account is the operating expense account. And OPEX is used to pay for the operations or the lifestyle of the business. So that's the five foundational accounts. I see. And that that's just a – I love the, the division there. And just to clarify, you said it earlier, but just to clarify, these are physical accounts. These are not just accounts – in our QuickBooks or, or whatever system we use, these are physical accounts at the bank that we are moving money from the general income into these accounts, correct? That's correct. And they have to be. Some people try to say, well, I'm going to circumvent the system and do a spreadsheet or put yeah. in QuickBooks. But my question to them is, what's your natural behavioral path? Do you log into your bank account to see how much money you have and make decisions? And inevitably, when I do surveys, and I've now surveyed hundreds of thousands of people through speaking engagements, online surveys, everything. Uh, they raise their hands. I would guesstimate, because a lot of this is done through live audiences, easily 95% of the audience logs into their bank account to see what their balance is. So therefore, these accounts have to be there. Because if your natural path is to make decisions by logging into your bank account, you must have your accounts there to see what money is intended for what purpose before you spend it. So right. that's why it's there. That's, and, I, and I will attest to that because, you know, in, <clears throat> before actually having these physical accounts at the bank, I used to just have sub accounts in QuickBooks and we would divvy the money up similar to what you're doing in, in the physical accounts. But, you know, it's a lot easier to just kind of transfer that money around in QuickBooks than it is to, uh, you know, just allocate that box, uh, you know, to work within on the physical account. So we, we find it a lot easier to just stay where we need to be with the physical accounts. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, and a lot of people do that. A lot of people start off by by looking at alternative places to do this, and I don't need these accounts, and 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 there's a lot of excuses like the headaches. You know, if I go to a bank, it's going to be a few hours of sitting there, or they may charge me a twenty five dollar fee. I I don't know if I can do this, and um, we have to get over that simple barrier because we have to realize if if. We don't have the fortitude, I don't know if that's the right choice of words, but to, to log in and really master our accounting, um, which most of us don't. We are entrepreneurs. We are much more driven by emotion. We, we trust our gut and instinct. That's what makes us so capable and talented. Um, we have to set up a system that works with our instincts. That's why we need profit first, and we have to get past that effort, which is a minor effort in the big scheme of things, is get to that bank, spend the hour there, get these accounts mm -hmm. set up. If they charge, try to charge you a fee, walk out, find a different bank. Listen, a bank's in business too. It's funny. I was talking to some people that set Profit First. And they went to a major banking institution and uh, they went to this bank and they said, we're going to set these accounts. We're reading this Profit First book. Give us the five accounts, set them up. And the bank said, uh, okay, but we're going to charge you a fee. And they said, well, 
we're not going to pay it. And the bank said, you have to. And they, they literally opened the book and pointed to it and said, the author of this book said if a bank forces <laughs> fees upon you that you should walk out and find a new bank. So they said, sorry, we're leaving. They got – this is an absolute true story. They got up, started walking out, and the bank called them back in and said, you know what? We can waive the fees. So, you know, <laughs> banks are businesses too. They are our vendors. They're meant to serve us. And if you're not, you're not being served the way you want, you have the right to find a new vendor, a new bank. That's right. And it did take a little – uh, talking on my bank as well, but we ultimately got there. The biggest change that we had to make was, you know, like the general income account has to be a zero balance account. So not to shut that account down, um, you know, when you when you zero that balance out, that was probably the biggest hurdle that we had to cross with our bank. But uh, they they yeah. were they ate the fees pretty quick uh, when when you start talking about finding a different bank. Yeah, and, and you're, you're giving them more money. Like doing the profit first system, you will accumulate more profit. You know, banks are in the business of accumulating inventory. Their inventory is money and then yeah. lending it to other people. You are the source of the inventory. So they need that money. And by following the system, if they really understand it, they're going to be holding on to more money than ever on your behalf and able to do more of their business. So right. it is in their best interest. Exactly. So. You you call the the first five accounts the foundational accounts and we we actually in in our cabinet shop we um, added a sixth one and we just nice. call it, we just call it job materials so such Not a bit. yeah such a large percentage of our volume goes straight out the door to our vendors we like to allocate it right up front and it also the greatest part about that that I was kind of an unattended purpose was what I've noticed here, so we've been on the Profit First system for about eight months. and Nice, nice. And we're, change, you know, we still change things all the time. In fact, we went through our second change on our little spreadsheet of how we allocate um, profit. So we took our tax account up just a touch. We took our profit account up just a touch. So we're inching in the right direction. Um, but the job material account was great because with, with especially with the tariffs and everything that are going off the trade, our material prices have fluctuated a lot over the last few months. So it's been a nice way to just look and see how our materials are doing. If that account's running a little too skinny or if there's extra in it or whatever, it's kind of been a nice uh, barometer of, of how our material pricing is, is actually doing, you know? Yes. And, and I love that you use the word barometer because what that means to me, Jeff, is that you're logging into your bank account regularly. I don't know if it's daily it's or multiple daily. times. Daily, yeah. That now becomes the most beautiful behavior. It's funny, before logging into your bank account daily, your accountant would say, gosh, you're, you're manic. What are you doing? And now continuing that behavior is extraordinary because now you're attuned to what's available in different accounts. And that means you are on top of the cash flow for your materials. You understand how much is being reserved for taxes just by logging in. You can see how much money is accumulating in your income account that you're going to disperse out. And if it's short of what you expected, you can take action. Like we have a problem. We need collections or we need to sell better. Or if it's more than expected, you say, wow, let's do more of that. What, what do we have to learn here that we're doing right? Yeah. So the, the fact that you're using it as a barometer is exactly what Profit First is intended to do. Yeah, and that's, the, that's probably the, the greatest part of the system that we've got out of it. I mean, the OPEX is great, and it works just perfect because, you know, we've got our money for our direct labor. We've got our money for our light bill and everything else that comes with it. But um, it's just we've definitely noticed that being confined to that box, there, there actually is profit there. And there yeah. is, you know, there's profit to be allocated later. So that's been, and that wasn't the case ever. I mean, there's never really been profit allocated. It's just more of like, 
we've had a few great months and finally we've got some extra cash laying around, you know, so we would call that profit. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. different now. So yeah, now it's deliberate. Now instead of it being an event or a good good fortune, now you made it into a discipline, a habit. Sure. So one of the big um, things that I wanted to really ask you on after we got through the accounts was how does a company, um, especially like I said, capital intensive company like ourselves, there's a lot of times when we buy a machine, we have to take out a loan on it or something like that, or maybe there's some credit card debt that somebody wants to plow through real quick. How do you take care of debt? Um, in your company on the profit first plan. Yeah, so there's two ways. There's there's future debt and there's uh, current debt. So future debt is something that we're going to have to purchase in the future and it'll force us into borrowing money. Um, and what we do in that case is we set up another account. Now that you have the foundational five plus you added a six, but you can add a seventh saying we need to buy a, you know, a CNC machine or, or something significant, uh, a significant cost in, in cabinetry. And what you would do here is say, well, that machine, you know, a good one's $12,000, um, but I can get by for the next two years. So I have 24 months to pay $10,000. Let me allocate $500 a month or whatever that it is. And every month, like I'm going to pre-buy this. Then when that day comes around to buy it, you've accumulated this money into that account and, and you can buy it for cash. That's that's future potential debt uh, if you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Past debt is we need to go through a process I call the debt freeze. And the debt freeze is we got to stop incurring new debt. Um, and then we need to go through the debt snowball. Not, not a term I developed. This came from Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. um, by translated into business. Effectively, what the strategy is, is you look at all your existing debts and sort them out by the lowest amount of debt due first to the biggest volume or dollar amount due last. Uh, Logically, though, we'd sort it by interest rate. The reason we sort it by dollar amount due is we want to get early wins. And what we do here is we – we service all the debt as best we can, you know, paying the minimum fees and stuff. But any extra available cash we use to hit the smallest debt first. When a profit distribution comes out, there's only there's one golden – well, there's two rules. The golden rule is profits used to celebrate. The exception rule is if you have debt, you use a large portion of the profit to crush permanently the debt and the remainder to celebrate. And then once all debt's eradicated, use all the profit as a reward to the shareholders. But if we have debt, we whack out the smallest debt first. If we need an extra booster shot from the profit account, when it comes out, we hit and crush that small debt. Once that small debt's eradicated, what you are using to service that small debt now is freed up and goes to the next smallest debt. So now you have an existing service you're paying to that small that next small debt plus the original amount you were servicing. So now you have two kind of summed up uh, dollar amounts going and you start paying that next debt faster. Once that's eradicated, what you're using that money for to pay off that debt now gets added to what you're paying the next debt and you start getting this snowball effect, mm-hmm. this momentum. But the, but the, even the bigger part is if you pay off a small debt first, you get a behavioral win. There's an endorphin release. You tear up that statement and say, never have to pay that again and you get a relief and you do that again and again. And those rewards are very powerful for building momentum. Right. So it's so you're kind of saying even on so on 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 old debt you would you would use a large portion of your profit distribution to just annihilate it and then keep doing that until you're out of debt. But then for future purchases, so you CNC is a great um, analogy because um, that's probably the most common purchase machine. However, they may be 
$100,000 or $75,000. And um, so that's a lot of cash to have to save up. But um, are you saying that most that on your plan that you would suggest saving all of that money in, in, in that future debt um, account yeah. basically before you before you go get it? Uh, n- not necessarily. I mean, I, I am a miser when it comes to debt. I, I'd yeah. rather cr- crush it and get rid of it. Um, if you need to incur an expense and you don't have the money, I want to put a challenge to that person first and say, how, what's the ROI on this? And you have to give me a quantitative proven ROI, not saying, well, you know, if we buy the CNC, we can bang out, you know, five more cabinets a month. And if mm-hmm. we're lucky enough to sell them, I think the ROI will be six months. Well, bull. Yeah. Like, you don't know if you're going to do six more cabinets. Actually, you never worked with a CNC before. Programming that freaking thing is going to take two months. So let, let's get real about this and, and do some research and really know how quickly it's going to return. And we may find, well, Honestly, if I get a CNC, it's like a four-year return before it pays for itself. Maybe we should just actually hire a laborer and we'll actually do better than getting a CNC. So if you're going to incur debt, we need to know it's going to return profit with 100 or, or near 100% assurance in a very quick time frame. That's the only time I'm a fan of leveraging debt. I see. That's And that's a great uh, – man, that's a great way to look at it because if – there's so many times, the, especially when you go to these big trade shows, and I love them. I go to every one of them, and and I come oh, back, man. you know, come back pumped every time I go to them. But what I've what I've found, especially paid attention to in recent years since I've started, you know, addressing these issues in our company, um, is you go in there and you know, they have a CNC machine or any kind of machine for that matter, and they'll say replaces two labors or only costs fifteen dollars an hour or whatever it is their justification. And so many people will take a lease or, or, or a loan out on that machine just based on that little sign, and and it's it's um it's it's wrong. You know, it's not that's not how you justify a major purchase like that because it's like you said, it's probably at that kind of price range that you're taking out the full debt service on it. It's probably not going to become profitable, maybe ever. Right, right. We put too much joy in the toy, and that's the problem. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's all about the day we put more significance in the money we retain and goes into our pocket than we do in getting the next toy is the day you have a successful business. There is a lot of immediate gratification. That's the problem with these toys. I buy that beautiful piece of equipment. It's shiny. It's new. It can do these magical things. That day is an amazing day, and I put it in my shop, and it sits there, and then within a week or two, we're like, oh, my gosh, this thing, I don't even know if we can use it. Uh, we devoted a disproportionate amount of time. We, we get distracted from the business, and we realize it's not a benefit. Right. Um, the, the, the distraction of those toys are that immediate gratification. That first week or two is amazing, and then it sucks. The day we realize there's more satisfaction, I, I am more impressed by a guy who pulls up in a beat up car who's found out a way to stretch another you know, 20,000 miles out of that thing and, and is going on an amazing vacation because he's had this profit than the guy who's bought the brand new perfect truck you know, from, from whoever, mm-hmm. torn around in it, and it's like panicking to pay payroll. <laughs> you know, we got to get out of that immediate gratification and satisfaction and focus on a healthy business. Um, that's the stuff that matters. You know, the, the, the vanity is in the toys. The vanity is in the revenue. The sanity is in the profit and the retention. Yeah, I agree. Well, if for whoever's a business owner or, or 
fighting the problems that we've fought in the past before kind of getting on this system, you've got to understand that owning a business is it's more than just about you and your family. Your your response you've got a bigger responsibility and if you ask me, you've got a moral obligation to be profitable. And this is just a uh, a fantastic way of doing it because if you if you run the system correctly, you are allocating that moral obligation right up front. Yeah. L- listen, we I think we all want to give. We all want to be of service. We we want to care for our customers. We want to do the best work we do and have our customers be satisfied and happy. And sadly, many businesses do this to their own demise. Mm-hmm. Many businesses do make ultimate sacrifices, do anything for the customer and don't serve their own profitability. And uh, th- then we can't sustain, we can't deliver more to our customers. We, we actually uh, give up on them because we can't do anymore. The, the other thing I want people to be aware of is that our customers are starving for us to be profitable. They want it for us in the worst way. Now, they'll never use those words. Like a customer will never say, hey, can you rip me off? Or, you know, <laughs> can, can you take advantage of me and take me for all I'm worth? Of, you know, of course not. But here's what customers will say. I want to make sure you're going to meet your promises. I want to make sure the, the work you do is up to the standard you commit to. I want to make sure you're not distracted and panicked when you're installing my stuff. I just want you to do an extraordinary job. And the only way you can not be distracted, not be panicked, be focused exclusively on the client is by being wildly profitable. If you have no cash worries, that negates a lot of your worries and you can take care of your customer. If you are surviving check by check, panic to panic, while you're doing the install with one hand, the other hand dialing the phone trying to make a sale call, you can't be concentrating on giving your best. And that's what customers want. And that's why customers want you to be profitable. That's right. That's, that's a great way to sum it up. Well, before we uh, log off here, Mike, I've got to ask you, I'm, I'm a big one thing guy. Um, so what's kind of the one thing that we can all do to get our businesses in line or ready for profit first? Um, what's kind of yeah. the one thing that we can do right now that'll, that'll move us in that right direction? It's uh, it's easy, and uh, my commitment is anyone that listens to this, Jeff, if, if you actually do this, uh, my promise to you is permanent profitability. Um, so that's a big promise, and it's real simple. One thing, go to your base. Two step. One thing, two steps. Go to your bank and set up one account, uh, savings account, and call it profit. Maybe a half hour of your time at the bank. Mm-hmm. Then step two, allocate one percent of your income to the profit account. So what I'm saying it's a thousand dollar deposit or whatever comes in. Take ten dollars. That's one percent of that. Put into the profit account. Because here's what I know: you can, if you can run your business off a thousand dollars. You can run your business off of $990. I think that's not even negotiable. It's obvious. I agree. But, right? But what happens is now you have money piling up in a profit account. It's 10 bucks. I know that's not a big deal, but you'll see it there next time you log into your bank account. And you repeat this process, it'll start piling up. And this is how you start building the profit muscle. It won't hurt your business, but you'll see you can do 1%. And I know now it's just a matter of time before that becomes 2%, 3%, and 5%. But by taking 1%, you've achieved permanent profitability. It's easy, it's impactful, and then you can prove that the system works for you. Or maybe it doesn't, but at least you can prove it to yourself. And if it does work for you, you can amplify it to whatever you want and achieve, you know, the profit dreams that you've always had. I agree. Well, I uh, I put profit first as as one of my core business books um, that I've read, and I've read I, I don't know how many uh, over hey, the last I appreciate it, few years, and I'll, I'll put profit first right there in my core books that every entrepreneur, business owner, or anybody at all needs to read. And um, 
I, I just really appreciate you being on the show and, and, and everything you're doing for just the business community because it's uh, it's working. It's uh, from my perspective, I can I'm a, I'm a user of the system and it, it's working. Awesome, man. That means the world to me. I'm all in on this. I'm, I'm I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to keep delivering everything I got. Great. Well, Mike, thanks for joining us again. And until next time, uh, keep keep out there and we'll see you in the trenches. You got it, brother. All Take right. care. Thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Push Through Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and visit thepushthrough.com. That's thepushthru.com for exclusive content, articles, and more.